Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter, Instagram, and threads at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. This is going to be in yet another non-NBA exclusive episode, thanks to the NBA being relatively quiet right now and the NFL season getting underway, and grand pronouncements being made based on NFL preseason games and events. Now, one of my listeners left a note complaining about the possibility of me discussing something other than the NBA on this podcast, specifically the NFL, by suggesting that there is enough talk about football and the NFL out there already. And while I can appreciate that view, understand this. I'm not going to talk about the NFL just to talk about the NFL and fill space on this podcast. I'm going to hold the same standard I have when it comes to the NBA. I don't talk about subjects just to talk about them. I try to pick the subjects that I have either unique insight or a unique perspective on that I feel it's important to share, that you would be interested in because, as I say at the top, you're probably not going to hear it anyplace else. And I plan to take the same approach with football or any other sport I might dive into. And my reason for branching out is simple. After doing so on TV for the last six months, I realized there are as many two-dimensional or naive takes on football in the NFL as there are on basketball. And for those who may not know, I started out my writing career covering the NFL. First as a backup on the Chargers beat for the San Diego Union, and then for a couple of years as the beat writer for the San Jose Mercury News, covering the 49ers. I also spent some time around the Raiders hosting a show on their flagship radio station. And obviously with a Sirius XM all sports show, spent a considerable amount of time following what was going on in the NFL as well as college football. So... My interest on top of all that in the game has been deepened by my son, 
uh, not only my interest, but my insight uh, by my son who is now playing in college. So diving into talking about football on a daily basis for FS1 made me realize how many grand pronouncements are made on a regular basis that don't take into account the circumstances that I have become conscious of having covered the NBA on such a deep level. It, it translates from sport to sport. Uh, it's why my soccer background in terms of technique and angles and politics and all of that lends itself as much to basketball or football or any sport. If you've really either competed, coached, or covered any sport at a very deep level, it gives you insight into what to look for when you're covering other sports. Allows you to see things in a much bigger frame. And that's my attempt or my interest in sharing what I know and my perspective here. So I'm not going to go on any, any any further about that, but I felt like an explanation was necessary. And if there are a ton of you out there who are feeling as that one listener did, that, hey, you want it to just be an NBA-exclusive podcast, I'll certainly take that into consideration if enough of you raise that objection. But for now... I'm going to give you what I can give you in as many, on as many sports as I possibly can. So, uh, as I said, the look at the NFL preseason and everything that's being said, um, projecting how teams will do based on their draft picks and free agency sign signings, all of that during the offseason barely rised about the le- above the level of speculation, and. What I've seen is some of the conclusions being drawn based on performances in the last couple of weeks isn't necessarily better. Yes, they're based on what guys are actually doing on the field. That's an improvement. But at least one, and this is what prompted me to want to talk about the NFL in this episode, is the quarterback situation with the San Francisco 49ers. It got a little overhyped after... Third string and much beleaguered Trey Lance led the Niners to a comeback win over the Denver Broncos about a week ago. Before I get to that, though, I have to address what's going on with James Harden and the Philadelphia 76ers. I said the NBA has been relatively quiet, but Harden has been the exception. He has been very loud about his desire to get out of Philadelphia taking the opportunity during a promotional tour in China to call Sixers team president Daryl Morey a liar and saying that he will not be part of any organization that Morey is part of. Now, this is a major sea change, obviously, because Daryl Morey and James Harden became very good friends or colleagues, however you want to frame their relationship. It was as good as any... GM slash team president, front office executive and player have had in my in my time uh, of covering the league. It was uh, it was good enough that Daryl took care of him in Houston and then was trying after he got the job in Philly 
Harden was more than eager to go to Philly directly from Houston. They couldn't make it happen. He went to Brooklyn. And then ultimately, Daryl was able to bring him in from Brooklyn to Philadelphia. So the fact that things are now, so the relationship is now broken, is a major turn of events. Uh, it, It should be pointed out that making such a declaration announcing that this relationship is no longer what it once was and that the team president, accusing the team president of being a liar, making such a declaration on a promotional tour could not have made Adidas, his shoe sponsor, or any of the other promoters involved in the tour thrilled. Controversy may sell, but negativity does not. Now, there's certainly guerrilla or small label label brands looking for attention and they have a uh, an endorser who does something crazy and it brings attention makes people aware of that brand when they would not have been otherwise aware of it uh, that can work that can be a positive at least short term but not when it comes to established traditional brands This is not a good look for Adidas by any stretch. And before I go any further, I should note, because I do have some criticism of Harden and how he is handling things, but I have to note that I'm not mad at Harden for being upset that he took a team-friendly deal to help the Sixers last summer and... They're not rewarding him with a hefty extension this summer. I've heard a lot of fans and media say, well, he doesn't deserve one after the way he played last season. And maybe, in a perfect world, that would be true. But the NBA is not a perfect world by any stretch. And if you really take a look at what Harden did last season, and you look at what other guys have been rewarded with, during this offseason, guys who didn't take less a year ago, then you might see Harden's situation a little different. Harden's disappointing season consisted of averaging 21 points a game, shooting 38% from three, 44% overall, decent numbers. He led the league in assists with nearly 11 a game, and he had a near 3-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio. Now, you know how I feel about stats. They don't tell you the entire story. But, in his case, it included helping the 76ers get to the second round of the playoffs by sweeping the Brooklyn Nets in the first round and then pushing the Boston Celtics to seven games on the strength of two 40-point-plus performances by Harden. Yes, he only had nine points in Game 7, And it was a blowout win for the Celtics. But when it comes to the downfall of the Sixers, certainly we can't put it all on Harden. Joel Embiid, the league MVP, had 15 points in Game 7 on 5 of 18 shooting. The Sixers collectively were ahead 3-2 in the series, going back to Philadelphia and ended up losing Game 6. Head coach Doc Rivers was fired as a result of his inability to close out that series. What I'm saying is that there was a lot of blame to go around, and I wouldn't even give Harden the majority of it. Sure, the season was a disappointment, 
after all the process and all of that, the all of that pain and agony and tanking, the Sixers were not getting past the second round when they tore it all down, and they have yet to get past the second round since this reiteration, multiple reiterations of what they are. Does Harden have to carry the burden of all that? Fact is, led the league in assists, averaged 21 points, shot at a decent rate, didn't turn the ball over. And what happens? He's one year away from being a free agent. So put yourself in Harden's size 14 signature shoes. As I said, led the league in assists, helped the Sixers get to the second round of the playoffs. Now compare that to some of the players that were rewarded with contracts this summer that will pay them far more than the $35.6 million that Harden will make this coming season. Think about Harden knowing that he's going to make $35.6 million this season and then watching as all of these other players are being given the extensions that he thought he had agreed to when he took less a year ago. His teammate, Tobias Harris, will make more than $35.6 million this coming season. 27 players in all will make more than he does. And they include Zach Levine from the Chicago Bulls, C.J. McCollum from the New Orleans Pelicans, Kristaps Porzingis, who was with the Washington Wizards since traded to the Boston Celtics, Kyrie Irving, now with the Dallas Mavericks, Pascal Siakam, Ben Simmons, Anthony Davis, and Fred Van Vliet. Now, there may be some players in there that you think are more accomplished and better than James Harden, but it's not all of them. It's not all of them. And all of them will be making more than he will. Anthony Davis just signed the richest per-year contract extension in league history. Three years and $186 million. And while he had a very good playoff run, He's hardly a sure bet to repeat it, much less improve on it. You're thinking that Anthony Davis is worth the highest salary over the next three years? And James Harden is worth nothing close to that? Not worth an extension? LaMelo Ball signed a five-year, $206 million extension. Yes, he's young, up and coming. What has he accomplished? Kyrie, for all that happened with the Nets, and then the cratering of the Dallas Mavericks after he arrived, signed a three-year, $126 million extension. Chris Middleton, injured, and who knows whether he can stay healthy going forward, signed a three-year, $102 million deal. I could go on, but you get the point. A lot of players who did less than Harden this past season, got paid handsomely. Zach Levine get the Bulls to the playoffs? C.J. McCollum? Kyrie? Pascal? Ben Simmons? Fred Van Vliet? All the guys that I'm... LaMelo? All the guys that I mentioned. 
None of them got to the playoffs, much less to the second round. None of them had 40-plus point games in the playoffs to win playoff games. Some have not proved that they have Harden's capability, like LaMelo. And some are just as much of an injury risk going forward as Harden, like Middleton, Davis, and Irving. Bottom line is, Harden has a solid case that he got shortchanged based on the going rate, based on how everybody else was dealt with during this offseason. Like what, a bill, more than a billion dollars was handed out. For whatever you, whatever disappointment anyone may have about how season ended for the Sixers and Harden's part in it, I can give you a dozen players who had more disappointing seasons and still were rewarded financially this past summer. And Harden is sitting back watching all of this transpire. I don't know what you do for, for work, but if you performed, maybe didn't, didn't perform up to the level you were expected by work, but still performed and you look around and you still performed better than most of your other coworkers. Let's say your business, your, your company didn't have a good year, but you weren't the worst of the reasons why it did. And you look around and, wait a minute, everybody else is getting contract extensions? Everybody's getting bonuses? And I'm not? How would you feel? It wouldn't be a matter of, hey, well, collectively we didn't get it done. It would be, oh, something doesn't fit here. Why am I being singled out? That's where I get, well, I wasn't impressed with what Harden has done. And I'm not going to defend him in terms of his conditioning and how he's handled things in a number of situations. When I look at him being upset that he didn't get paid this summer, I understand why. Now, calling Maury a liar and drawing a line in the sand in terms of I'm not playing for a team that he's running and making it all about he only wants to go to the Los Angeles Clippers, which I think is, from everything that I'm hearing lately, a, an extreme long shot, shall I say. Uh, calling Maury a liar, drawing a line in the sand, all of that isn't the best way to make a case or to improve his chances of getting paid. It's one thing to be unhappy and ask to be traded. And it's another to call out the man in charge of trading you by name and attacking his integrity. Damian Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers, as most of you know, has asked to be traded. And I'm told that he feels he was misled by Blazers GM Joe Cronin in terms of what they were going to do with the team. But he hasn't gone public with that grievance. He hasn't even done it in a general way to say that the Blazers misled me. And he certainly hasn't used Cronin's name. Wise. Because this is what you should know about GMs. When they see one of their kind being done dirty by a player, their thought is not, well, yeah, Daryl kind of had it coming to him. He doesn't, whatever. No, they don't look at that particular GM and think, well, that's his fault. He got himself into that. They think. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Oh, what's to keep that player from doing the same to me if our relationship goes sour? Which makes them far more reluctant to consider acquiring that player. If any, any GMs and teams out there had second thoughts about acquiring Harden, and, and they have, the market is not great by any stretch. If it was, I'll talk about that in a second, but in any case, he's not improving his marketability by calling Daryl Morey a liar. He essentially, every GM looks at that as, well, he thinks we're all liars. <laughs> we, can, we can get into whether that's reality or not in another in another podcast. <laughs> it is part of the business. I, I don't know if I've shared this before, but I, uh, a former player who became an agent uh, went through the draft for the first time on the agent side. Ah, I take that back. Not an agent. Front office. Was working in the front office. Had a front office job and went through the draft as an executive for the first time. And he said to me, he said, you know, afterward, he said, I'm not even sure the draft actually happened because there's so much lying that goes on into it that you begin to think that you're living in a surreal world. It's just considered part of the business. Now, it's a little bit different when you're talking to a player and the whole ruse of the NBA investigating and you know, were there promises made? There's always promises made. Uh, when Kyrie Irving went to the Dallas Mavericks, he already knew what he was going to get. He already knew what they were willing to give him. Whether they they put it in exact terms, there's a way to massage around it where the message is sent. This is what we're willing to do. This is what we will do. And and get that message through the agent or whoever without making a certified, definitive promise. But it's understood. And I have no doubt that that's what happened here with Maury and Harden, is that Harden had a certain understanding about what he was going to be getting at this point, and he's not getting it. Now, I believe that Daryl Maury would give it to him. I believe that owner... 76ers owner Josh Harris is the one who's pulling the cord and saying, we're not going to live up to whatever Daryl promised you. And that's what has created this situation. So the problem on top of all of that is that Harden is challenging a Daryl Morey who is more than willing has already demonstrated with Ben Simmons that he's willing to let a high-priced player sit at home 
until he gets the deal that he wants. And based on how Ben Simmons was handled, I have to believe that Josh Harris, the owner, is willing to give Daryl the latitude to do that again. Which is why I have to revise something that I said on the radio the other day, which is that I ultimately see Harden being dealt to the Los Angeles Clippers. After talking to a few of my sources, I'm far less confident that that will happen from both ends. The Clippers aren't looking at Harden as the piece that could put them over the top by any means. Could he improve them? Sure. But they're not willing to pay the price that Morey is putting out there. And as I said, Morey has demonstrated with Ben Simmons that he's willing to wait until he gets the deal that looks like it's equitable, or at least close to equitable. And nothing as of right now, even for Harden. This is, this is, the, this is the twist. This again is why Harden has a case that he's being undervalued. Because on one hand, the Sixers don't want to pay him. On the other hand, they want a ransom for multiple first-round picks and young talent and all that in exchange for trading him. It's a bit of a contradiction there, no? In any case, all of this leaves Harden with only one option. If he wants to get paid the way Irving did by the Mavericks or Davis did by the Lakers or anything close to those two, and that's played this season for the Sixers, show that he's worth more than $35.6 million and create a market for himself. Because right now, by all indications, there isn't one. If there was, we would have heard of teams interested other than the Clippers, as we have with Lillard. Boston Celtics, Philadelphia 76ers, There's been indications that other teams would be willing to jump into the fray if Lillard was open to going there. But we haven't heard that with Harden. And so that is the issue that Harden faces. He is the only one making noise right now. And it's not the kind of noise that is going to benefit him any more than it did Carmelo Anthony when he found his value was no longer what it once was. Now, about the 49ers quarterback situation. My comments are inspired by an on-air comment I heard after the 49ers 21-20 comeback win over the Denver Broncos, in which Trey Lance played the fourth quarter, led them to a touchdown, missed two-point try, and then a game-winning field goal as time expired. The comment was something to the effect that just when you thought the quarterback competition was over, Trey Lance has a performance that may have opened it back up. Yes, the competition is over. No, Trey Lance didn't have a performance worthy of opening it back up. Let's start here. Lance didn't start out well at all in this performance. I had him at two for six with an interception to begin. He threw at least two more balls that could have been picked off, but there was either a penalty on the player, the defensive player dropped the ball. The game, as it often has, looked too fast for him when he first came in. And for a quarterback, it's all about how fast they can process process everything that is going on around them. And he looked frantic in those opening minutes. He had guys open, and he couldn't get them the ball. 
But this is why head coach Kyle Shanahan spent all the draft capital that he did to get Lance. Because despite being demoted to third string for this game, despite that horrendous start, despite the interception, Lance did not appear to be the least bit shook by any of it as far as his confidence was concerned. In the, in the f- heat of battle, yeah, there's times where he just looks like he's, he's a little frantic. He's trying to gather everything in. He's moving a little faster than he has to. But in terms of it impacting his overall confidence and poise or composure, you don't see that. He's like, he shakes it off as well as any quarterback I've seen. So with the Broncos leading 20-12, to 12, with a little more than five and a half minutes to play, looked like this had been yet another disappointing, almost disastrous appearance by Lance. And at this point, it's pretty simple. The game becomes fairly linear. you got to throw the ball downfield. If you're going to have any chance of winning, it's open it up. It's the two-minute drill. No no audibleizing at the line, no checkdowns. It's kind of let it rip. And you're either going to make those plays downfield or you're not. So that's what he did. Threw for whatever he could get, ran for whatever he could get, and he came alive. Threw several balls into tight windows. Very impressive. Like could only put it in one place for it to be a completion, and he got it there on time. He scrambled just enough to stay alive and hit the open receivers that he was missing when he first came into the game. Let's be clear, though. This is where perspective uh, and consideration of the circumstances has to be taken into account. The Broncos were playing their third stringers as well at this point. That was pretty damn apparent. Because while Lance did make a couple of tough throws, he also benefited from some poor coverage, some deft running after the catch by his guys, and timely penalties. Not to mention his defense shutting down the Broncos' third-string offense to get him the ball back to make that run for the winning field goal. He didn't do anything overall to suggest that he is equipped yet to do all the things a quarterback must do to run a Super Bowl contending offense. He gave a glimpse of why the 49ers thought he could be one. But that's it. Sam Darnold, the second string quarterback, still looked as if he had a better grasp of the offense and executing it. And Brock Purdy played one series and drove the 49ers for a field goal by completing four of his five passes. He looked sharp, efficient, and sharp enough that, barring injury, he will be the 49ers starting quarterback on opening day. Now, Lance's performance creates a quandary for the 49ers in that what he clearly needs to do is play to develop. And the problem is I don't see how he gets that chance this season. The 49ers have too much at stake to experiment, and they have two quarterbacks who are better suited for getting the job done right now. The quandary is that I'd be reluctant to give up on him just yet. His resilience is invaluable for a quarterback, and rare. His athleticism is the reason he didn't suffer a sack, unlike Darnold or Purdy. 
And I have to admit, his interception was a pretty nice play by the Broncos lineman. Uh, one of them tipped it. It was kind of an ad- attempted dink pass by Lance. Felt the rush. Tried to lob it over. Uh, it got tipped. And then another Bronco lineman caught it with a diving catch. I'd say that Lance faces the exact same problem that James Wiseman did for the Golden State Warriors. It's just coincidence that both are Bay Area uh, athletes, or were. Both were acquired with considerable draft capital to fill a specific need for teams that are competing for titles. And both were selected based on their potential because they had played so little prior to getting drafted and then were sidelined by multiple injuries, all of which put them even further behind in their quest to develop, not just into a pro-level player, but into a pro-level player on a team with championship aspirations. That's a bar several rungs higher, and the odds were stacked against both of them from the start. And then you throw in the injuries, and it was basically no chance. The Warriors ultimately knew Wiseman wouldn't ever become the player he's capable of being on their timeline. So they did him a solid and moved him, which is why he's now in Detroit. The 49ers could be very well be forced to do the same with Trey Lance. Not for their sake, but for his. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And as I demonstrated at the top, if you do leave a a comment about what you like or what you'd like to see different about the show, I will take that into consideration. In the next podcast, I'm thinking that I'm going to get into Team USA. For those who haven't been aware, uh, the national team is playing for the World Cup. We, the last I checked, we were not ranked number one, but number two behind Spain. The games begin, the real games begin this weekend, and I will be following them. It's a young team, and I love the composition of it. I think they're going to surprise people. Certainly, I believe that the program went the right direction in who they selected, and I'd actually like to see them continue to do it this way when it comes to the Olympics. The Olympics always being far more attractive to players than the World Cup for marketing reasons, ego reasons, many reasons. In any case, we'll get into how that team has played, what we should draw, what conclusions we should take from the way guys have played on that team, and how they're being utilized what it means for what they're going to be as NBA players next season. Obviously, Anthony Edwards, the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, star, is at the top of that list of consideration. All that in the next episode. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening.
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.